Um, I, I, it made me a bit more aware, I think, and, and needing to really take the time to connect in with kids um, and, and see how they're doing and then adapting what I'm doing with um, assessment dates and, and, and whatnot and, and what kind of support that they were looking for um, moving forward. It also made me super, um, super grateful, really. There's a lot of gratitude, I think, coming out of you know, getting back into school, especially out of lockdown. You're listening to the Augmented Learning Podcast and Video Log. Stories from inspiring educators, leaders and influencers who are challenging the status quo. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform supporting Kiwi teachers and students through NCEA. With online achievements and badges for completing key tasks, My Study Series ensures students are highly engaged and motivated to learn. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. Kia ora everyone and welcome to episode 67 of the Augmented Learning Podcast and Video Log, where you're able to grow, learn and develop by accessing high quality PLD when you need it most. I'm your host, Carl Condoliffe, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Celia Fleck. Celia, there's no international travel uh, in New Zealand or anytime soon by the looks of it. Are you going to be bringing back the great Kiwi road trip this summer? Oh, well, see, my holidays are kind of different now that I'm not in education so um, I'm definitely doing Kiwi road trips but they're probably more um, spread out so I don't have that extended summer break that teachers have Um, but yes absolutely Kiwi road trips are on the agenda so I've just um, I've just spied that the early early bird entries to the Taranaki off-road um, half marathon have come online again so that's in New Plymouth and what over what is Wellington's anniversary weekend so um, so that's a definite road trip that I'm going to lock in and um, there will be others absolutely. That sounds really good we we are planning a, a New Year's in Taupo which is going to be good but we it's a little bit I turn 40 next year and we had planned to go to America um for you know four weeks but that is just definitely not going to happen now and that's a little bit frustrating but uh, a few road trips here and there are going to be good i think it'll be nice to just go and spend some money around new zealand and just give back a little bit to some of those tourism operators that have found it really hard i think this week we have andrew joyce on the episode now i haven't had much to do with andrew you've probably had a bit more to do with him than i have but i was saying earlier that the only really uh encounter I had with with Andrew was uh, in the, the pre-dinner drinks before Penn's conference last year, Penn's dinner, and we uh, we were dressed up. We had myself, I was, I went as Captain America, and and Andrew went as, he went as Superman, I think, and we had Matt Lambert was Thor, and um, Sarah Lanzi was Black Widow, and we had, who else was in that group? Cam. Uh, he was Iron Man, and and so that was my only real experience um, meeting Andrew. And we didn't even talk education, so I was pleasantly surprised having this really, really rich and deep discussion around education and some of those things that we cover in this in this episode. And I was really impressed. What were your thoughts about the episode? Yeah, absolutely. I I found it. Um... Yeah, really cool to listen to. As Andrew alluded, he was on placement at Altea when I was in my last year there, but things were incredibly chaotic, shall we say, at the time. Um, there was a lot of transition in the PE department that had been very stable for a long time, and there was a lot of things happening within the department and the school-wide, and so probably people's um, people's energies and um, attention were elsewhere but I remember thinking at the time that he was a great fit for that school so I'm really glad that he got that opportunity to go back there but like yourself since then my only engagements with Andrew 
in the real world have been at Penn's social occasions and then otherwise <laughs> um, just following him on Twitter. And I love what I see on Twitter. You get that real sense of how invested he is in um, providing amazing teaching and learning opportunities for his students. But he was incredibly well-spoken in this episode and um, just spoke with a real maturity. And I think he's really going to... Um, go places in education and really contribute a great deal. Yeah, I think so too. I I was impressed with two things. I was impressed with uh, the amount of hats he was wearing. And, you know, for, as somebody who wears a lot of hats, I know what that's like. I know how it can be challenging at times, but I also know how, know how rewarding it can be. And he seems like he's doing it really well. And the other key thing uh, I really liked from the chat was uh, just talking about restorative practice again it's kind of been out of my domain for you know six or seven years now since I left Wellington High School um, so hearing about uh, how he and how Altair value restorative practice and mending those relationships and ensuring that there's a real positive way to move forward after really challenging events I, I found that really um, I don't know if heartwarming is the, is the is the right word, but for me, who, who's been removed from that kind of approach for a while, not that we don't have restorative approaches in, in, in our school, but we're definitely not a restorative school. So it was nice to hear some of those those stories that he shared around that. Um, was there any, any real key takeaways for you from the episode? Um, I think I, like, I really enjoyed the episode because it, it made me reflect a lot on my time at Altair and I kind of took away the same two things that you did in that um, the amount of hats that Andrew's wearing and in the short time that he's been teaching, relatively short time that he's been teaching, the opportunities he's been presented with and that was why I stayed at that school for so long because I was presented with so many different opportunities to be a dean, to to be an assistant HOD and then an HOD and to just, um, yeah, it was really cool. And, and that's a great strength about a school like Altair is that you are not forever waiting in the wings for somebody to retire or move on to have an opportunity to do that. Um, and then the other thing was, again, thinking about that restorative because um, that was probably, like from my 19-year teaching career, um, I had two absolute highlights in terms of professional development that was absolute game changers for me and restorative practice was definitely one of them. So we had three years really intensive PD on restorative practice and yeah, it just changed the whole way I taught, but it also changed the way I worked with colleagues as well. Um, and yeah, I just, um, I just learned so much from the people that were involved with that and, um, and will forever um, carry that in the way I operate, I think. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of lessons for young teachers in, in some of the stuff that Andrew's doing in the sense that it seems very, um, it's a very popular approach these days in education to suggest to young teachers to say no more, to not get in over your head and all, all of these different ways to manage their well-being. But I think if you're somebody that is comfortable and confident taking on additional roles and know you can manage that, I think saying yes to a lot of things can be really good, um, not only for your career in the long run, but also your professional development in terms of picking up new skills and strategies that can have a really positive impact on your students that you're in front of in the classroom. So um, I, like yourself, I think he is going to, um, he's got a very big career ahead of him and I look forward to seeing him uh, just grow some more and and end up in some of those roles that he he talked about that he would like to aim for later on. So I, I really enjoyed the episode and I think um, our audience will, will take a lot from it. So let's um, jump into episode 67 with Andrew Joyce. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. That's good. That's good news, mate. Hey, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your teaching background and experience and, and a little bit about your school and the students you teach? 
Cool. All right. Um, so I'm still an establishing teacher. I'm in my fifth year at uh, Altair College teaching health and PE. Um, been kind of hit the ground running really with that. Uh, started with some senior health, uh, which I was quite fortunate enough to get, and then moved into some outdoor ed at the moment the last couple of years. So that's been a really cool part of my my journey. Um, gosh, uh, third year deaning at Altair College and had recently finished up a year as assistant HOD as well. Um, and I'm into my first year with the across school teacher gig uh, for the North Porirua Kahuiako, uh, working in transitions in Hauora. Um, yeah, Altair College, uh, love that school. So I, I was really fortunate enough to uh, come into a, a permanent gig there uh, off, uh, off my last teaching placement. Uh, so that was super exciting. It just, the stars aligned and then, um, yeah, managed to, to secure the gig there. So we're located in Porirua, uh, right by the police, or opposite the police college, uh, mid-range decile, co-ed, uh, about 1050 students uh, with some massive numbers growing with a lot of um, urban development in the area. Um, so we're probably pushing it, you know, um, nearly 1300 kids uh, next year. Um, yeah, lots and lots of cool year nines coming through, just helping out with the transition team. Uh, we're about 50, 55-ish percent Māori Pacifica as well, so quite a good uh, cultural buzz we've got going on. Lots and lots of sporty kids. I uh, was chatting to the sport department the other day, and they reckon about 60% of kids at Altair are involved in sports, so that's really cool to see. Um, Big, big tidbit at the moment would be that we've, uh, we're a new school uh, in terms of all the buildings at the moment. So this is our first year in a new build, uh, which has been really exciting. Uh, big open plan, high visibility across uh, lots of learning spaces, uh, which has been a big change considering uh, what we had prior. Um, lots of adaptable spaces for learning, um, bit of a turf area as well, which the PE department have really appreciated. Um, with a, with a good colour scheme that aligns with our Fano uh, house system. Um, and the other cool thing that we've got as well is we've moved into, well, experimenting with 100-minute uh, lesson times as well. So that's been a big shift moving from a range of 50, 60, 70-minute lessons. So lots of big changes uh, this year, which has been quite exciting, quite challenging as well. But, um, yeah, the, the kids are, are doing really, really well. And, um, yeah, the staff are, are doing quite good as well. Yeah, man, lots of lots of big changes, lots of hats you're wearing. Are you are you still deaning at the moment, or are you finished up that and you're you know with the kahuiako role? No, so I'm juggling deaning uh, and in the kahuiako gig uh, at the moment. So it's it's interesting. Um, we're in a vertical structure for deaning as well. Mm -hmm. It's all I've ever known. Um, in regards to that, um, which which has its as it has its strengths. It's quite cool. Um, when a lot of the kids are in the same Fano group as their older siblings and whatnot. So it's quite cool getting to know students a bit more uh, and, their, and their families and whatnot. And you see, you know, two, three, four, five uh, siblings and whatnot come through and it's always good to have those conversations. Uh, mm. But it has, has been interesting. You're yeah, wearing a, a few hats. Um, feel like getting pulled in all sorts of directions, but it uh, you know, keeps me on my toes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, busy is good. The the new build did it include a new gym? Uh, not a new gym, but we are. I think we we need it. We need a couple more, a few more hundred kids, and then we get a whole nother lot, a lot of uh, funding for a a new a new gym. Um, okay. There has been some. We ended up having a wall replaced um, with some glass pa um, glass panes, so it it makes the the gym look a little bit bigger, and it's it looks pretty cool actually. Um, but yeah, a few, few developments. We've got some new basketball, netball courts going up um, in the next year or so. Um, and there's talks about a possibly a, a small kind of turf area as well. Okay. Okay. And Altair College, were you were you there when Celia was there, or is she, is she she a bit before your time? She was she was on the way out as I was doing my placement there actually. So okay. I, I didn't okay. yeah, didn't get to work under Celia. Um, okay. That just no, shows how. Old. It shows how old she is, though. <laughs> <laughs> She's good value, though. Nothing, nothing but um, great things from everyone in the department now. Ah, oh, good, good. Hey, so yeah, think about all of these things. You've got your kahuiako, you've got your deaning, you've got this new build that you've been going through. Throw in COVID this year, and I know you mentioned um, these 100-minute uh, periods that you've been having. 
we think about all of these things, how, how, how do you think you've leveraged COVID to benefit you in the classroom this year? Because everybody has this really negative lens of COVID and I'm, I'm mainly interested in the benefits that and opportunities that come from something like this. Well, I, I felt that two things came to mind when I saw that question. So that was that the first one was needing to be so much more adaptable and responsive to the kids because after coming out after coming out of lockdown and, and whatnot, um, the I had to be really mindful of of where kids were were at academically, whether they how they were juggling um, bits and bobs with assessments and just trying to trying to be a, a really a fixed point to them with um with what we were doing in our class so i i ended up having to, to have some pretty much personal sit downs with the kids and and go over how they're feeling and, and lots lots of emotional checking in um with with well-being and i became probably a, a bit more conscious about that with the kids i felt like at the start of the year I was getting pulled in all sorts of directions and some of that was was slipping a little bit it was kind of general run of the mill um classroom classroom management and whatnot and coming out of lockdown um yeah it became quite obvious to me that um some kids needed a bit more um of that a lot of encouragement a lot of ego uh, ego driven um feedback as well um so just needing to be adaptable to to what the kids were were going through and, and, it, and to, to their credit most were, were coping really really well but um i think a lot were were getting quite um anxious about around you know, when things were due and and um you know all of those different responsibilities that they'd picked up during during lockdown and whatnot so um I, I, it made me a bit more aware i think and, and needing to really take the time to connect in with kids um and, and see how they're doing and then adapting what i'm doing with um assessment dates and and, and whatnot and, and what kind of support that they were looking for um moving forward it also made me super um super grateful really there's a lot of gratitude i think coming out of you know getting back into school especially out of lockdown it really made me think around what what about teaching do i love and and it's it was really that face to face it was that connection in a space with with students um I, did, I i personally struggled a little bit with the the teaching online and and was was quite um quite good with our well we were quite good to, uh, in our department with sharing ideas and, and kind of um, feeding off each other in that regard but definitely um yeah much more gratitude for just the the contact time that you have with the kids and yeah i, I was a yeah very positive i guess coming coming out of it being like gosh i just can't wait to see my kids i can't wait to be mm. you know in my learning spaces with them and and just trucking along with the, the rest of the year so just a yeah a lot more gratitude i think um, coming out of um, with COVID. So you you mentioned you mentioned that you personally didn't enjoy the teaching online, and just taking that a, a little bit further, how did you how did you go about managing your whole order throughout that? Uh, well, I, I was off to a to a great start actually, if I'm being honest. So we had some really cool oh, as a our department we had these silly little challenges that we were that we were doing um and we had, we had a, a good solid banter going in the group chat um and that first two weeks was was awesome because people you know were checking in with each other it gave me things to do throughout the day um because mm -hmm. i was on a i was on quite a light teaching load um now the amount of push-up challenges and whatnot that i that did over there um over that that first two weeks was 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 keeping me in good spirits and then i i just stuffed my shoulder and then after that, it was it all just went downhill. Really, I just once I couldn't move as well as I normally could. Um, yeah, I guess I just didn't really enjoy it too much um, after that. But it was it was good just to be connecting in with friends um, through through various games on the internet, doing quizzes. I had like a weekly uh, quiz quiz night going on with on Sporkle with some with some mates as well. So just little little things like that. I set lots of little challenges too to my students, um, particularly my year 10 leadership class, we were covering knots, um, various knots that could be useful around the house or in a camping um, context. So gosh, I, lots of challenges, I think, just gave me a little bit of purpose throughout the, you know, each, each day, really. I, I'm already getting a, um, a real good, often, you know, I've done quite a few podcast episodes now and you start talking to somebody and you get a you start getting a real good feel about them as a teacher and as a person um but I, i'm just quite keen to know what pulled you into teaching like what what excites you about education obviously it's you're very passionate about the students 
Um, but I'm just interested to hear, you know, what sort of what got you into teaching? I guess I growing up and whatnot, I or Dave, Dave Cornan's gonna be on like number three or four with his whatnot count actually. You keep giving me stuff on the camp. Um so I think I, I'm, growing, on tw- I'm on twelve, I've counted twelve. Uh, actually, oh gosh, okay. <laughs> to hit my wrist every time I sit. Um I think <laughs> I think growing uh, growing up I always enjoyed working with with youth. I guess so coaching uh, was was quite commonplace uh, with with rugby, uh, various other sports, but it wasn't until I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do uh, getting out of school. I, I did have a slight interest in joining the army. I think I'd watched Jarhead or something like that. And I was like, oh, that looks kind of cool, like kind of thing. And then I ended up going on a um, on an outdoor ed camp in Otaki Forks, actually. And it was it was one of those sitting sitting around a campfire having a you know spinning a yarn talking about what could be and the seed was planted by my PE teacher and you've known quite well Matt Lambert around have you ever thought about you know have you ever thought about being a teacher and I thought, no not really um oh well, you know you're quite good at PE and you know you're friendly enough if you you know you should probably think about that I think could be really good and I didn't really think too much of it um I was just like oh okay well it's, you know, it's not the army um but you know we'll see we'll see and then I think a few months later we did uh, an assessment in level three PE where we were taking a group of year nines for some ABL activities and I just absolutely loved it we did that classic minefield one um you know blind kids blindfolded they've got a partner that tries to direct them through a uh you know over various um objects and whatnot without touching them um and it was awesome i just i really enjoyed i had a, we had a really good um year nine class me and my group and it, it was awesome and i remember running over to maybe miss um, henderson at the time like is this what teaching is like you just play games and and you know you have a goal and you just try to you know encourage the kids and she said yeah absolutely it's exactly what teaching is like so <laughs> lied straight to my face but um no it was it was awesome um, so I, I started having some conversations with with um, people in the P department at my high school that I had a good relationship with, and I think I ended up following them, one of them round for the day, um, seeing how it went, and I thought this is what I want to do, and then studied and went about becoming a teacher, really. So you knew pretty you knew pretty early. I think that's I think that's really cool, and it, it says a lot about. Um the people, you know, the teachers you had. And I think that's that's probably really common for educators is to um, think back to their schooling and see their schooling in a, in a really positive light. And I think that's a, a, a good driving force for why a lot of us got into the profession. Uh, it wasn't like that for me. I hated school. Uh, I love sport, um, but ended up, ended up, you know, being passionate about, about youth and, and teaching and, and helping you know the kids in the classroom. So um, you know it's a shared passion for uh, supporting young people and 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 helping them grow and develop. But I, I think it's very cool that you um, you were so you're kind of driven by by good educators in, in your school. And I, th- I think that's quite quite um, quite young in the piece to be thinking about. Um, PE teaching so I'm glad you you held on to that um, dream and I guess and pushed through and did your study and then and got there because it sounds like you're, you're a pretty amazing teacher now you've mentioned uh, you've got you've, you've got pastoral and and I guess you've got a bit of curriculum based roles within your school and what you're doing what's your preference here would you you know generally you see somebody take either one or the other um, but you're kind of doing both what what do you prefer what are you enjoying the most um, I, I've, I'm probably doing a bit more on the pastoral side than curriculum side. I think the co role I've got, I mean, I'm because I'm working in transitions with that, we are looking at refining the transition process and tinkering with that, which I guess what does, I think that comes under pastoral care. But the there is a bit of health and PE um, related PLD and whatnot going on there as well. But I think particularly with the, I mean, I really enjoy deaning. Um, it's a lot of what comes my way with um with, with the deaning gig is um, st- students that need a particular kind of support and it's around wrap, you know wrapping that student around with uh, with with as much support as possible and and I f- I'm finding that particularly with with that role 
working with RTLB and subject teachers and 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 trying to meet a learning need um, does cross into the, the curriculum side of things as well. So again, it's kind of yeah, it, it kind of I, I quite like that that it floats somewhere in the middle at times. Um, but I thought yeah, I, th I think definitely working with RTLB subject teachers that's that's probably the, the, the better part of the, the job, um, you know, sitting down, figuring out what can we do to, you know, to, to change our practice or see, or at least have the discussion around what's working, what's not working, um, you know, getting some student voice as well and, and having some really meaningful conversations around uh, you know, students' interests, uh, how, the, how they view education, how they view a particular curriculum, how they view relationships and what kind of um, relationships they they, they value and want with with teachers as well. That's always quite insightful. Um, I, I do think moving forward, I would like to see probably more of the explicit curriculum roles um, you know, come my way in that regard. But I, I got to say, I really do enjoy. I, I really do enjoy the the variety of, of work that you get with with the pastoral role at the moment. Um, and, and I think my time, my I only did it for a year, but um, I was trying to spin, I was spinning multiple plates at the start of this year. So I was at the, the coal role, the deaning and um, an assistant HOD gig as well. So that was, that was quite challenging. So I um, only did that for um, the, the first half of this year and the back half of last year. So um, I, I would like to, yeah, I, I, I like the pastoral, but I would probably like to see a little bit more development with my curriculum with that, that curriculum side of things anyway, but I certainly yeah, yeah. do enjoy the challenge. Yeah, that's good. And I think uh, what you were describing there about wrapping the student around with support and, and that focus on, on relationships, is, is that really uh, kind of addressing that, you know, I've heard you talk about relational pedagogy and, and is, is that that sort of thing? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, a, a big part of, um, what comes across in my conversations with with uh, students, particularly when there's um, there's some kind of problematic behaviour or there's, there's you know there's an issue in class, it's it, it really there's lots of discourses, there's lots of ideas and beliefs that, that come across in a conversation with lots of messaging around um, you know what that student think thinks of the of a teacher or teachers, um, what they think of school in general, and what they think a teacher thinks of them as well and so a lot of you know and I start to then you know go down the rabbit hole a little bit as to oh, I wonder why wonder why he thinks that and you start you can you can start to kind of see how it all it all relates and and really um it might come down to a, a couple of things that you know there might have been a a throwaway comment or something that was made or, or an action that was done you know quite early on in the piece uh where this you know where the student has felt like they haven't been validated or or they've felt um disrespected in some way or there's been some kind of misunderstanding that's or there's been an assumption that's been made and um you, you can really see how that that affects the the lens from which that student sees sees either a, a subject area a teacher um learning in general um so i think that's definitely a huge a huge part of of the picture particularly when um yeah, I guess for, from my end, working in pastoral care, um, and and you start to see when there's a positive story. Okay, well, what you know, what actions are underpinning that that positive story, and you can start to see that um, there's there's things that have been done, explicit actions that have been done that um, you know form a positive relationship. That there's um, yeah, but more between the student and the teacher. Really. So when there's so for you talked about like say a, a student didn't feel validated, and and they have some issues around that on and or they don't have a good experience. Um, as from that pastoral approach, how, how are you coming in to address that in a in a situation or scenario like that? Uh, so I tend to start with a lot of open a lot of open questioning just trying to feed you know feel out a little bit as to where you know what what's led to um i guess that perspective or that that discourse and sometimes it's things that that stem back to um you know primary school or intermediate really and and depending on how how open the the student is a lot of it comes i'm finding i have a lot much more a lot, a lot more success um if i'm messaging that you know i am here to help i'm here to listen um i'm not coming in with any assumptions and it's that explicit messaging with the with the student around 
what um yeah i guess what is what is the story here you know what do what do you think about um what do you think about learning and and what you know what what's the best kind of learning for for, for you know for you and, and and what would be useful for your teachers you know what, what what would be a really good thing about you that your teachers should know or, or um you would like them to know you know that kind of thing and keeping it quite general that can normally get a, a little tidbit or something that can um be really really useful um i tend to well for some cases i'll tend to or some students i'll tend to look at um you know feedback from their primary and intermediate school or make contact with their with their teacher and get a little bit more feedback if there isn't anything um, that's in the transition notes as well, depending on how young the student is. Um, but a lot of that is, is it is that that conversation around and and the questioning around um, what you know what are their thoughts? What yeah, what do they value as well? You have some kids that have a really strong sense of of justice or fairness as well, and and so there's if if that's if that's quite prominent, then um and there's an action that is that is undertaken from a teacher or whoever in the classroom um that that doesn't align with that value um then that can be yeah that can cause quite a few issues as well um but it's all for the greater learning of of everyone really i mean we, do, we are a restorative school as well so a lot of um things that do creep up uh tend to be talked out uh, for you know for the most part um, where you know there, there are multiple sides or versions to a to a situation, and and we go down that road with um, rectifying and 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 rebuilding a relationship that might be impacted negatively. I, I was a follow up question around what you were talking about. Then I had was around students who don't want to engage in those conversations, and I, I was going to ask if if that was something that was commonplace you know I, I just recall a couple of conversations i've had recently in, in my role as hod with students who um may have been acting out in class and and just having those students not engage but when you mention that you're a restorative practice school obviously these are um these relationships and these experiences are, are commonplace within the school and they form part of your culture and and, and the values you have there so do you think that restorative approach has really helped having some of those challenging conversations oh absolutely even just as a framework to try and you know figure out where the hurt and the harm is i mean uh, i i certainly advocate for um for restorative practice we i, I find it yeah very useful that the, the tricky ones i find are when um there's oh gosh up there when it was when i had the other day so there was an issue around um or the, the two Two, two slightly different stories, but the, the issue in this case was around um, inappropriate language. And so the, the harder ones is in this particular case, it was who that who the inappropriate language was was directed at. And so in terms of, um, I was like, gosh, how am I gonna work through this? Like you know, one side's adamant on this, one side's adamant on this. Like where are we gonna meet in the middle? Like usually, which is what happens with restorative anyway. Um, and so I ended up trying to, to navigate the conversation around, okay, well, rather than focusing on who it's directed at, let's just focus on, you know, the, the the language in general. Okay, so then which then sparked a conversation around, you know, what respect looks like with with language and under what circumstances do we do we hear these kinds of words and is it appropriate in class and why and how could someone be impacted and 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 um you know could could you see how someone might interpret that as being directed at them? Oh yeah, okay, okay, okay. Can you see how? you know this and that and kind of going down uh yeah that that line of things so not trying to get roped into the the real finicky um aspects of this of this the the, the differences in statements and trying to find more commonalities around um where the teacher and student do agree um or so in this in this case they you know both um both parties were um in terms of their values they they actually do value um well both valued respect and so we had to kind of hash out well, what that looks like um because there was one aspect that looked at um you know respect is more around uh, physical rather than verbal um whereas um you know with our school expectations it's it encompasses more than just um a physical aspect um really so building off commonalities and and, cent and and central themes like that i found very very useful but yeah i've huge advocate for for restorative um particularly with um building yeah repairing relationships with teachers and 
and whatnot. We still do have, um, you know, punitive processes and whatnot for the, the more higher level um, side of things. But saying that I've been a part of some really um, well run, uh, you know, family conferences as well with, mm -hmm. um, with restorative practice as well, which was awesome to be, you know, to even be a part of that experience and seeing, you know, the, the DP and, and whatnot, um, you know, in, in action really and just be like gosh like I play a little game in my head of well gosh that's just been said well this is what I would say and then I kind of like wait and look and see what you know what the <laughs> response is and go like oh yeah that's the same thing that I would say okay that's a point you know that kind of thing so yes. um I do like a, I do like a restorative approach but when you so I've been at a school that's been restorative and I've been in a school that isn't you know an officially restorative practice school um but do you think, when you think about, you know, restorative practice is all about the harm and, and mending those relationships and all those sorts of things, do you think it's possible to take a, a restorative approach in isolation when your school not, might not be a restorative school? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I guess, hmm. when you mean in isolation, do you mean as a teacher? Yeah, so I, uh, when, yeah. I, when I say isolation, I mean that you take a restorative approach with a student, but they might not, you, the, the school as a whole doesn't have those systems oh, in right, place so. to support that teacher through that process yeah. or have that um, framework to work through. It is difficult because the, the, the strength of restorative is that if the language is consistent across staff, mm. then you know it, it becomes something really familiar to the student. Yeah. Um, I think it would be very difficult. I think you would need to, yeah, I think that would be, would be quite difficult. Um, if I was in a, in a position like that and I had, I had, you know, I guess heard of restorative, um, restorative conversations, meetings and whatnot. Um, gosh, if it doesn't fit in with the, the policies of the school, you're in a bit of a bind there, but if you were able to just, you know, to do it in isolation, um, outside of support from, uh senior leadership or or you know department heads and things like that I, I would be doing my very best to try and quantify i guess the results of that so it does become part of um i guess yeah the school policy and, and practice it's so it's so effective um what sort of benefits do you see on on the daily with a restorative approach school-wide understanding of empathy i think the development of empathy is is huge with restorative um being able to see something and, and gaining a, a multiple perspectives on 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 particular issues or, or in this case it was communication um or, or a central theme around respect um if, if done well and um i guess if you take the time to 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 unpack ideas and discourses um, that students might have. Um, so so I've, I've been quite fortunate enough to, to be working with the head of guidance at our school around conversational techniques within restorative. So instead of just sticking with the, you know, the, the, the generic kind of framework, you're able to identify, you know, narratives that the student might be making about themselves or others. And so when you identify that, you can then use some, some questioning to, to point out you know that that might not necessarily be the case or what the what the binary or the the opposite of what that problematic idea or belief might be um so that can be quite can, can be quite useful um as you know the, the other things like um you know externalizing the behavior i think um gosh i mean when i was first doing some you know, one of my first restoratives i'd forgotten about that um to also remind a um, to prep both sides um, about around that, and it became this big finger pointing session, really, and it was just the it was god awful. Um, so, little little conversational techniques, I think, can be so useful. Um, but even like externalizing behaviour, um, you know, as a PB Pharrell, um, you know, tool or uh, in, in a convers as a conversational technique in general can be quite quite effective because it doesn't personalise what the issue is to, to the student. And if you personalize something negative to a student, you know, that, it forms that narrative, um, you know, of that student being being negative or being, you know, abnormal or, or not fitting in with whatever the the established norm is, which I think can be quite dangerous if you, if that happens enough across the board for, for a student. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, I, I, I think my experience with restorative was I think that the people involved, the staff and the students came out of came out of that a whole lot more significantly better than, than going in. And 
being able to repair that harm and restore those relationships was was just fantastic as as a teacher being able to um, put that aside and move on in a real positive way so um, I, I like that you're able to describe um, really clearly those benefits um, and also a bit of that process as well which is really nice you're you're a fan of game-based learning what does that yep, yep. what does that look like in your classroom and, and what sort of outcomes has that provided for your students Looks like fun, Carl. I tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It, it depends on the context, really. But a, a lot of the games that the, the games that I'll either try to make up or you know do a variant on will be um, yeah team team based or involve a high level of communication and teamwork cooperation. Um, I, just, I just love it. I think my favourite part of schooling for um, for me was was you know the teachers that I had that had a love of games and were able to like revision revision time at the end of the year exam revision where you would do lots of these neat little games um, that would you know help you with the the terminology or a key concept or something definitions. I um, mean play them all day long and you you know it didn't even feel like learning really or if it did it was just like no this is just a game. Um, so depending on what the what the context is, um, gosh, some ones that um, stick out for me have been, um, oh, well, I used to teach social studies in my first couple of years of, um, of Altair as well. So um, we were doing a, a kind of Tetiriti or Waitangi unit, um, and we were doing a little bit on the the musket wars, I think, some of, the, some of that. And so I looked at the the powerpoints and all of the you know the big bulk of resources and i was like gosh this just this just screams to me an invasion game i'm just like i've got to think of some kind of like invasion game with this because um i was meant to we we're meant to be learning about a, a uh, some conflict between um ngapui and uh ngati fatua um and the, the the key learning there was that um there had been a, a conflict of, of, of sorts between them um, and one side had uh, had muskets and the other did not um, and and believe in what in that particular encounter the side with muskets didn't um, you know didn't win on account of um, very slow reload times and they were ambushed as well so there was a lot of kind of close quarter combat and I just thought oh gosh what better way to articulate or to try and um, learn about this then then making up some you know a, a kind of invasion type game where um one team had dare I, like a ranged um ranged equipment and and another one had kind of handheld close quarters as well so we ended up doing um going out onto the field and it was effectively trying to move cones from halfway into in enemy territory um without being hit by either a tennis ball, which were acting as musket bullets, um, or uh, pool noodles and various other kind of um, handheld equipment, which were meant to be representative of kind of taiha and patu and all sorts of things. Um, and the kids just went absolutely bananas for it. Um, and, and by adding in little aspects of um, like manuhiri, um, we're able to, to were only able to, to go um, on the field in certain areas because they they didn't have um, you know in depth knowledge of the land whereas Tangata Fenua um, with you know with the people of the people of the land and so they were they were able to roam wherever they want and respawn points were were different were in different locations to make it easier or harder for for Tangata Fenua and, and Manuhiri um, and it was just really the, the kids were, were, loved it but um, I kind of thought oh gosh I hope this just isn't a fun game. Um, where, where the, you know, there's the, the kids aren't able to articulate how and why um, and what the significance of the game was. And when it got into the formal writing assessment where they had to talk around, um, you know, like tactics and whatnot and what influenced that particular conflict and everything, um, it was memorable. The kids are able to, to draw, um, would be able to draw from the game and be able to articulate that. And I just thought that was the, Thought I'd just done my job well there, and I, I put a lot of planning into it. it. Took me quite a few, um, you know, hours to to make all the resources and figure out the rules to it, and try to link the rules to, um, I guess, to, to to the the historical component of the actual battle itself. Um, but yeah, I, I, from from my end, it was it was just seeing the kids enjoy enjoy the game and be able to get to to make strong connections between. Um, components of the game and and real life, I guess, his, well, his, his, um, historical facts and whatnot as well. So, I, I love that, and I, I think the key 
the key there is is that first of all you're you're out there being active, and when our learners are active, they're more engaged. Um, but the key Absolutely. there, I think, is bringing in that narrative and being able to add in those small pieces of narrative, linking history with some sort of um, game rule and all that sort of thing is just so powerful. And, you know, I love game-based learning. I love gamification. And when you can pull in all these different components and create an environment or a learning environment or a learning task like you did, uh, you're going to see the outcome of their assessment being significantly greater and being able to remember some of those key facts because you've you pulled that story out and you made it engaging and fun. And, and that sounds like a a really good way to do it and you know way back in episode i can't even remember in the teens we had andrew o'neill from um from down south of middleton grange and and he talked a lot about his sport and ed unit and how once they'd done all their training and they got to their tournament uh, he would have little cards that he would drop in and so there would be uh, you know one of the star players was out on the piss the night before or yeah, probably not that but you know there was consequences to that and building these yeah. stories into that and and having um, consequences for the team who had to you know it made it more real it made it um, memorable it made it more fun um, and and that I think you know really supports our learners to um, just retain some of that knowledge that they need to and and have a better and richer understanding of it so that's awesome and i love it before we get to the last question is there anything i might have missed that you want to mention or is there anything that you want to ask me i was good i had a good thing about this so with so many strings to your bow Carl, um what's the next five years looking like for you because you just you're involved in so much you know family man business owner Cole, HOD, what's on the horizon coming up for you? It's a good question. And it's, you know, for me, having two young kids, I think the last sort of old job, I've been in that for a year now as, you know, cross-school lead for Motukairangi and people. Um, I was kind of sitting there on a, on a precipice where, you know, as a, as a business owner um, with something like my study series where uh, I can impact you know, in any given week, I might have 1,500 to 2,500 students log into my study series, whether that's health or maths or, or PE or whatever. So I'm having this real positive impact on those 2,500 kids each week, and that's really cool and unique, and not many teachers get that opportunity. Uh, but then in this across-school role, uh, I'm, I'm within a community that I'm invested in. I'm in, within a community that my kids are going to grow up in, and they're going to go to school and well they already are going to school and in, in some of the schools that that i'm i'm working with and when i think about comparing those two outcomes um and and where i find myself sitting i think it's much more powerful being able to work within this community that i am that is gonna um you know empower the learners here and there's going to be flow and effect for my kids and my children and that means a lot to me and so i think over the next five years you know, sitting on that precipice of, am I going to go down this business path or am I going to stick in education? I really feel I'm leaning towards sticking in education. Um, and I, I think the next step for me is probably senior leadership at some point. I don't know when that'll be, whether it's sooner or later, but being able to have um, greater influence um, outside of the current sphere I, I sit in as an HOD is something that's pretty exciting and being able to lead and guide um, from a much wider perspective is, is probably where I see myself in, in the next five years. Hopefully that answers your question. So you, you cut my lunch on, on that because I, I want to, I, I was going to ask where you see yourself in 10 years and just going on this conversation, um, as a as a reasonably you're a reasonably young teacher uh, but i think you you speak um much more mature than than you probably are and i think that's really cool so what about you where are you where are you going to be in 10 years time um ooh, good question um i would like to hopefully have um you know be in some successful years as an hod that would be good um long 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 term I, the more I think about my experience that I um, well, that I had through Teachers College, uh, I would love to work with um, 
in tertiary education at some point um i'm probably when i'm really really old <laughs> but um anywhere that's kind of on the path heading towards that but i'd like to accrue um yeah just lots lots of little lots of little roles all over the place i think um short short term um over the next few years would be looking at developing my curriculum um side of things and and hopefully um getting into i've got a bit of fomo at the moment all of my most of my friends are all hod's as well and i'm kind of sitting here with a co-roll being like oh i've got this oh this is nice i've done the pastoral thing um so yeah a little bit of yeah heading into hod roles and um seeing where we go i'm trying to look forward but also notice all of the good opportunities that are coming off to the side as well so i'm trying not to get too too much of tunnel vision and just yeah trying to be a little bit more go with the flow something really exciting comes up that i want to be a part of um just just seize the moment and take it really so. mm, that's good man and you know i'd I love how you're really approaching all of these picking up all these different hats and adding strings to your bow and and and, and all of that I, I think it's as 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 individuals i think so many people could be taking more action and executing on more um yet we as a society we tend to sit back and just do just enough and i, I think to really get a real experience as a human you need to jump into so many different things and you're doing that and i think that's really cool and th throughout this discussion um it's been it's been really interesting because um i you you the discussions that we've had are very similar to I feel you speak a lot like um, a teacher called Aaron Mead who you, you may or may not have experienced and this is a bit of a compliment to compare you to Aaron Mead um, speaks really um, fondly about his students and has this really rich understanding of education and I get that feel from you and I think again as a young teacher you, you know you're going to do some some pretty amazing we're not that young so you do some pretty amazing I, things I, and I feel 50 car <laughs> and for, for me this is this was a really good chat for me too because pastoral is probably um something i need to continue building and so a lot of the stuff that we talked about was um was really eye-opening for me and, and taught me a lot so i do thank you for um taking the time out to to chat um, i think there's lots of gold and to take away from this conversation that our audience um, will really enjoy. Uh, so I hope the rest of the year, what's left of it, I've probably got about nine weeks, no, eight, nine weeks left in the year, in the teaching year. I hope it all pans out well for you. I hope your all these roles that you're balancing um, come to fruition and you see some good results and outcomes. And I hope David Cornane gets off your case a little bit and doesn't give you too much <laughs> of a hard time. No, I think after karaoke on Friday, you know, we're, we're, we're gelling quite well as a department, mate. Pretty good. Oh, good. Highlight of my year was watching him sing Stan uh, by Eminem. So, you know, it's up there. I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> no, no, awesome. Hey, no, thanks, no. For, thanks for that, Andrew. That's okay. Thank you so much for having me out. It's you know, a big fan of the podcast and whatnot. So, it's you know, a, bit, a little bit of a life goal uh, ticked off here at the moment. So, yeah, super, super chuffed about it, mate. Thank you. All right. Thanks.